I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey everyone, welcome to the Barca Blogronis podcast. My name is Josh. Today, I have an interview with Matthew Chandler of the Royal Blue Mersey Everton SB Nation site to talk a bit about Ronald Koeman's time at Everton. Uh, this was scheduled before Lionel Messi um, announced that he was uh, leaving Barcelona. So we're going to take a little bit of a break from Messi content to talk about Ronald Koeman. Um, in terms of Messi news, I mean, really, it's just Manchester City are, are thought to be the leading team for Lionel Messi, uh, Inter Milan, and PSG are kind of speculated as the second and third teams. Um, I Having a couple days to think about this, just before we get to my interview with Matthew, I, I think I've come around to, um, I would be... I would be incredibly disappointed if Barcelona take this like hard line approach with Messi in this contract. Um, like, it, if there's any player you're going to make an exception for to like be nice to, it's Lionel Messi. Um, I get if like so. I guess the NBA version of this would be like a sign and trade, right? Um, and, and and there's there's reports that City are willing to pay like 100 million to 150 million. Um, you know, and potentially throw in Eric Garcia or something like that to the deal. Um, I in, enter. I'm sure would you know if anyone was willing to, you know, make a compromise for Latoro Martinez, that Messi would be the guy to put in that deal to make that happen. So frankly, it just doesn't seem realistic that Barcelona take a hardline approach with Messi. And if they do, I think it would come across as disappointing and insincere. Um, because if there's anyone who you would make an exception for from the business side of things, it's Lionel Messi. Um, and so I think having a couple of days to think about that, I, I would just be if, if they freaking took Messi to court over any like over anything. I, I just think that's just crazy. Um, I think you find out where he wants to go. You do some sort of transfer where the club gives you some prospects and a little bit of cash back and no you're never going to get you know 100 cents on the dollar for Lionel Messi that's just not going to happen um you're going to have to settle for 50 or 60 cents on the dollar and uh be happy with it because you got you know the last last couple decades of Lionel Messi at your club and um if you can sell high on Lionel Messi and or not sell high but if you can get some sort of value for him in return you take that um and you 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 smile at him out the door and you, you, you know, you leave on good terms. Um, and that's just, that's just how you do business with someone like Lionel Messi. Um, so, um, yeah, let's get to my interview with Matthew. It was a great one. Appreciate him joining me to talk about, uh, to talk about our new manager. 
I am joined by Matthew Chandler of Royal Blue Mersey. Matt, how are we doing? Yeah, good, thanks. Thank you for having me on to talk about your uh, esteemed new manager. <laughs> and uh, so before we get started, everyone, you can check out uh, Matthew's podcast along with um, who, who co-hosts the podcast with you? Uh, so me and my co-host Gino Huganello, we do this, uh, obviously we have Everton-centric podcast for SB Nation and for, for our website, Royal Blue Mersey. Mm-hmm. The School of Science radio podcast. So if you are interested in Everton, um, as, as they, um, and I, I find it kind of funny, I went to y'all's website this morning and uh, the the main post was Everton should steer clear of fallout from Barcelona wreckage. Um, so if, if, uh, if we can suck you guys into taking a few more, um, you know, kind of older and thus, you know, crappy players that would be great uh, i know we've done that in the past and so if you're interested in an uh in ivan rakitic or samuel mtt let us know um so we're gonna have you on today to talk about ronald kuman now i uh we scheduled this before um Lionel messi decided to blow everything up uh as he should um but i i think this gives us an interesting opportunity to talk about uh ronald kuman and his his one and a half years at everton football club so um and and correct me if i'm wrong on any of these details but pretty much from what i remember about ronald kuman he showed up at everton they qualified for the europa league in his first year all of a sudden he's given i want to say the largest sum of money that everton's ever spent in the transfer window somewhere around 150 million and then within a couple months they were in the relegation zone and he got sacked is that right yeah spot on <laughs> okay so is ronald kuman a team builder um well if you would go off his spell at southampton when he built a really efficient um and progressive team then you'd say yeah um i think he, he tried to do that with Everton, but i think part of it was was his own sort of naivety and and him being let down by the people above him at Everton as well. Um, because in, in it, so Ronald Koeman inherited a pretty messy team from Roberto Martinez, which was top heavy with, uh, you know, too many of the same types of player and too many players who didn't want to play for Everton anymore. And in his first season, uh, Koeman managed... He seems to do a very good job of getting uh, getting them on side and moulding them into a, a more a, a better team, and we could see that in the results because Everton uh, had their best home record they've ever had in the Premier League in his first year. Uh, got sixty one points and finished seventh. Uh, then Romelu Lukaku leaves, and Kieran just no replacement comes in for him. Kieran kind of set his sights on signing as many attacking, creating fielders as possible. Um, and the this, this squad just looked really desperately imbalanced again. So is he a t- team builder? I think, I think yes, but I think he is maybe not the best sort of judge of what a team needs to build it. Do you know what I mean? That's fair. And so uh, early, earlier in your statement, you, you kind of said like he didn't necessarily get a fair shake from the people above him, or at least he didn't feel like he did. Um, do you think that his sacking was premature? No, because I, I uh, everyone was absolutely hopeless uh, in that second year under for the first nine games of Kuhn's season, second season, um, because 
we had no re- we had no recognised striker then. He was playing Wayne Rooney deeper. We had Gilfy Sigerson, who played forty five million for playing out of position. Um, we had Kuko Martina, who was a, a right back. He was a reserve right back at Southampton that Kuman then brought with him to Everton in his second year, uh, playing and who was who was hope, hopelessly out of his depth. Um, and the, and the, st- the style of football was just laborious and turgid and um, it was only going one way with Koeman. It, didn't, it felt like he lost the fans and I think a lot of clubs say this but I think at Everton, when you when you lose the fans at Everton, you very rarely see manager win them back. So I think the writing was already on the wall for Koeman uh, by the time he lost his job and he looked resigned to losing it as well. Um, I remember his last game we were beaten 5-2 by Arsenal and he was very sort of um, you know, defeatist almost in his press conference afterwards saying, you know, journalists can write what they want and and uh, not really giving, giving off the impression that he was going to stick around and of course he didn't. So, um, I, while I liked the football that we played in the first year under Kuhn for the most part, although it wasn't perfect, um, it just went, it just unraveled really horribly in that second season. And, you know, we were 18th and I'm not saying we would have gone down because I think ultimately we would have had enough individual quality players to get us out of the bottom three. But um, it was not a happy marriage that between Kuhn and Everton by the end. Yeah, it was almost like a too much, too quick kind of thing. Like he pulled the team out of, like you said, um, Roberto Martinez kind of left things in shambles a bit. And he did so well that first season that like Everton upper management were ready to just give him the world and um i guess one thing we've learned uh or at least maybe they hadn't learned at that point but you know it's not usually good there's only a few managers in the world you give the world to right and, and you give that large sum of money to to make decisions like that and i i, I think we've we've seen ronald kuman isn't in that list of people um do you so I, I guess first thoughts in your head when um, Barcelona announced that Ronald Koeman is their new manager. I wasn't that surprised because I, I know how much Koeman coveted this job. I mean, he basically made a he made a he pretty much admitted while Everton that his dream was to manage Barcelona. And the, when he said that, I was kind of well, if he gets the job, it will mean he's done such a good job with Everton that he deserves these you know a credible candidate to manage Barcelona. Um, but given Barcelona's sort of recent appointments and the fact that they, they have gone back to former players or people who know the club or in and around the club, I wasn't massively surprised Koeman got the job. I don't think he deserves the job because I don't think he's, you know, <laughs> he's qualified to manage Barcelona. But um, I wasn't like taken aback by it really. Yeah, and I, <laughs> I guess like Barcelona have put themselves in a situation wherein the uh it's not that surprising for them to hire someone like a Koeman even if he wasn't related to Barcelona like if, if he didn't have the history with them um it wouldn't even been that like do you see a guy like Ronald Koeman because there have been some sporadic reports um that Koeman like told Messi his time as like the decision maker was up do you see him ever like being like like uh, to have the um, the the fortitude to do something like that. Is he that type of manager? I think so because he he did though he tried a similar approach with some of Everton's players. Um, one of our strikers, Umar Nias, he he took away his locker 
uh, basically told him that if, if he likes, if he wants to play football, he has to leave and send it to the reserves. Um, he basically told Ross Barkley that he had to leave. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he's not, he can't, he kind of, he's not shrinking violent, put it that way. But I think the problem, problem is that Barkley ended up outlasting Kuman and Nias, Kuman ended up going back to after we didn't sign a striker and actually scored two goals to win us a game against Bournemouth where we were losing. And had we lost that, I think Kuman would have been sacked after that game. So it's like there's a kind of it came, kind of came full circle a bit with Kuman. So I think he I think there's a lot of bluster with Kuman, but I don't know whether he is uh, I don't know whether he can follow through on, on what he says. I think. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah, I mean, so like, assuming Lionel Messi leaves Barcelona, I don't think Kuman's going to be viewed as the man in history that pushed him out. I, I, that's obviously going to be Bartomeu's role. Uh, but I mean, for Kuman to start off his Barcelona career um, thinking that. You know, listen, these previous guys haven't had the chance to stick around and really build a team from the ground up. But me, Ronald Koeman, I'm going to come in and uh, not do anything to necessarily help Lionel Messi stay. Um, I'm going to get the time that it takes to build a team from the ground up and be known as the man who rebuilt Barcelona outside of Lionel Messi. It's just like, if that's in fact how he feels, that's an incredible amount of confidence that I'm not sure has been justified with his uh, recent tenures at um, Everton and the the Dutch national team. Yeah, but I've, I mean, we've kind of seen before that Koeman doesn't lack confidence. I mean, he, like, you know, just, just the constant, uh, you know, linking of himself almost with the Barcelona job when he doesn't, he hasn't really had the, had the track record to, you know, back that up in management. Um, and yeah, I mean, he came across as someone who was very sort of. I mean, if you want an example from it from his from his playing career, I remember he. I mean, I don't remember because I wasn't born, but and there's a story that he he used uh, the German a German shirt as toilet roll off in the 1988 Euros, uh, obviously while he was playing for Holland. So I don't think he's kind of he's not someone who will be sort of cowed, you know, be cowed by players or. Or any someone who lacks self confidence or hubris or anything. So, um, I just don't think he has the. I'm just not sure he has the managerial acumen to back that up. Oh man, the, all 
this conversation has, has been fantastic so far. It's just leading me to believe that uh, we're, we're just in for absolute catastrophe. And um, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm excited to continue covering it. Um, I, so in Ronald Koeman's time in Everton, like what strengths did he have? Like what, what was it like? Did you enjoy watching in that first season in particular? Because obviously the second season wasn't anything uh, enjoyable to watch. But in that first season, like what did you enjoy watching about Ronald Koeman's Everton? Well, um, so I, would, I should probably say the end of the end of Martinez's era. We were, we were again really sluggish, a lot of sideways passing, very slow build up. And I remember in Kuman's first game, we drew one one at home to Tottenham, uh, and Lukaku was injured, and he, and he played Gerard Delafeu was kind of a false nine. Um, and I remember really sharp out the blocks, sort of quick on the feet, pressing Tottenham really high. Um, and it was it was just like it was such a relief after what we'd seen for the last couple of years in the Martinez to see Evan play like this again. Um and a lot of that was down to his signing of Idrissa Gay in midfield, who was Evan's best player for basically the whole time he was at the club. Um and obviously he had the outlet of of Lukaku up front, he had Ross Barkley, he had uh Kevin Morales, like I said, Delafeu for part of that season. Uh, Yannick Balassi as well before he got injured um, so yeah Evan were very sort of for the first few weeks Evan I think we won four and drew one of our first five games of that season and looked like a proper team again you know aggressive dynamic energetic then we had a slump for about three months so I think we won like two games in 11 where it just looked like we'd revert to type and things had gone back to the way they were and then he switched from like the the four two three one that he'd been playing, to kind of like a, a three four three or a three five two, um, and that just seemed to you know, flick the switch again, and Everton were you know bang at it again after Christmas, um, and yeah, I mean it wasn't it wasn't perfect. There was there was there were better personnel he could have had for the way he wanted to play, but it seemed like he was getting the best out of. Uh, out of the, the players that he had and then I think Lukaku left and it just everything just unraveled because of that really um, because after because we went from being this really yeah front foot um, attack attack minded team to this kind of sheepish um, you know slow build up team that go from side to side and and not really impose ourselves on the, on the opposition like it felt more more towards sort of if you if you wanted like a, a Dutch manager to compare him to, it probably it probably was closer to sort of Van Gaal style of football than Cruyff, I would say. Um, he wants to be Cruyff so bad, though. He does, but it didn't it didn't come across like that in the second season because how sort of timid Everton were in most of those games under him, um, which was which was a shame because I I. I End of his first season, I felt really optimistic that we had something to build on, and, and you know there was a sort of nucleus there of a really good team. And I don't think I don't think that had to be ripped up just by one striker leaving. Um, but you know, Kieran's approach just changed. It went back to, I mean, for example, he played Dominic Calvert Lewin, who's obviously a striker um, at right wing back in the first game of his second season. Um, <laughs> And that—that's what I was going to ask you—is which hurt you more, seeing Gilfie play as like a left wing back, or him putting Dominic Calvert-Lewin at right wing back? 
Well, he didn't, he didn't play Sigurdsson that deep. He, he just pushed him out wide, but in, in a position where he was completely ill-suited to play. And, you know, at what cost? Because he was in, in you know, the number 10 rule where Sigurdsson should have been playing was Wayne Rooney, who did well, but, but you know, should it felt a kind of sentimental signing instead of, you know, your marquee 45 million signing. Or Davy Clarkson, who was obviously Koeman signing and just didn't get to grips with the Premier League at all. Um, so the whole thing just became a mess and you end up guessing who would play where and, and there was no kind of rhyme or reason to Koeman's teams in the end. Um, and it just felt, it felt a real shame that after we'd seen, you know, not a perfect season, but a promising season, an improved season, uh, where we basically just swatted away every team that came to Goodison below we only lost two home games our first season. I mean, I think we beat pretty much every... We won nine home games in a row. We beat all the teams below us at Goodison, I think. Um, and then all of a sudden, um, you know, that kind of... That, the fortress, that kind of... We, we lost silly home games. We dropped silly points. Um, and Kieran just ran out of answers. And that's why he went back to playing in the ass, because he just had no options. So he went back on his word. And was kind of made out to be a bit of a fool in the end. So, what what's Ronald Koeman's biggest weakness? Is it his own self confidence, or is there something else that sticks out to you? I just think he, I, I think he just ran out of ideas, Evan. I think he, um, you know, he, he seemed very he flexible. Seemed very tactically flexible in that first year. Again, uh, I could give you another example. Um, he was, you know, very proactive. I remember we were losing at West Brom uh, 1-0 in his second game. And he takes off, I think, James McCarthy, who's obviously a defensive midfielder for, I think, Yannick Balassi or a more attacking player anyway. And that's just at the half-hour mark where you don't t- typically see substitutions made. But that changed the game because we go on to win 2-1 that day. Um, he just lost his... I don't know, he just lost his way. So, well, I, his... What's his biggest weakness? I would just, I would say, I would say it's a lack of follow through. Like, like I was saying about asserting his authority in players, making tough decisions. There was no longevity to that. It was kind of very um, isolated incidents when that would happen. Um, and, you know, it got to the point where you didn't know what you were going to get with Everton every week, uh, not least who would play for Everton every week. So, um, there's no consistency with Koeman. I think that was the problem. And also, this this will not be a problem at a, or as much of a problem at Barcelona. But I think a lot of people question Koeman's commitment to Everton because I think in the last week of the window, uh, when we sold Lukaku and bought all these players, we still need a striker. Uh, we still needed probably another left back. Uh, and Koeman was on holiday. Seem to spend a lot of time playing golf, or you know, like I said, going on holidays, or you know, not really taking the job as seriously as, as maybe Evertonians would like. That's not to say you know you have to spend every single second of your, of your life working towards um, you know improving Everton, but um, when you see you know other managers who you know, pour their heart and soul into their jobs. You never got that impression with Cuban. You you got you always got the impression that Everton was just kind of a sort of juncture to getting the Barcelona job later on. So 
like I said, I don't know if you'll see that attitude from Koeman at Barcelona because this is where he wants to be. But it was just something that cropped, that alerted me and, and cropped up to me while he was at Everton. Right. So I guess wrapping things up, like how do you, um, you know, put your future vision glasses on here? How, how do you foresee the Ronald Koeman era going at Barcelona? Is he, is he the man to rebuild them to their, to their glory days? Or is he just like a, you know, one and a half season hype man who's going to spend some money, um, sell off the, the players that made Barcelona, Barcelona in the mid two thousands and, uh, just get sacked in a year. I don't think he'll be, you know, I don't think he'll be any worse than the managers who've gone before him. I just don't think he'll be, you know, you know, a great deal better than me. I think it'll, it'll probably just be more of the same from from Barcelona under Cuban. Um, I think, you know, they'll be there or thereabouts as as ever, and um, they will win more games than they don't win. But I don't think he's kind of the guy who will kind of transcend the club and. You know, I don't think he is the guy. If if Barcelona need a complete overhaul, a complete rebuilding job, then I'm not sure if Koeman is the right manager or the best manager to, to do that job. So I don't want to. I don't want to come across as massively negative about Koeman because he did. He's not a bad manager. He's not. He's he did not do in, in his first season anyway. He did not do. A bad job at all, Evan. But um, I would have a lot of reservations about him if I was a Barcelona fan. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think it's a, a terrible. I don't think it's a disastrous appointment, but I just can't see it being the sort of you know the sort of the grand sort of uh, historic sort of game changing appointment that Kuhn might hope it'll be for him. Yeah, it, it, it's just it's a strange appointment for the time that Barcelona are in. Like, it, it, he seems like more of a transitional manager, right? Like, I don't, I don't like, like you said, I don't think he's the man to rebuild Barcelona from the ground up and be there long term. And so it it's, comes across as a strange appointment for this period of time, um, especially given that he views this as this like as this you know career opportunity and you know if you're him you have to take it right um like he's been hinting at it since like january i remember him talking about it in like you know dutch national team press conferences where he was hinting at barcelona stuff and um obviously you know back at everton he was hinting at it as well and so um it's just it's a strange period of time for anyone to become barcelona manager um i think i personally kind of you know i don't think you've been pouring water on cuban i think you've been very um accurate with kind of how you viewed him as in his time at Everton because I remember I remember his time at Everton like from the outside perspective and it was a strange one um and uh seeing him come to Barcelona not you know not doing much to improve his his perception as a manager um since he's left Everton is just uh it it's a strange time but then again Lionel Messi might not be on Barcelona next year so it's a strange time regardless of Koeman so um maybe not can, can, can you say on Koeman as well I yeah he was not the only reason why Everton was so poor in that second season. Like I said before, he, he got let down by... We had a director of football in Steve Walsh, who was basically a scout, who, got, uh, who found Riyad Mahrez and Angola Kante for Leicester and was you know over-promoted uh, when he joined Everton in the same summer that Koeman joined. Um, and Koeman was badly let down by him uh, because he, wasn't, he was out of his depth, basically, in his job. Um, he was also let down by some of the players, 
because I'm not sure many of them can look back on that second season and say they gave absolutely everything or they played, you know, they're as good as good a level of football as they could, even if they played opposition. Um, a lot of them just threw the towel in too easily. And at some point, yeah, the book stops with the manager, but you've got to also look at your players, I think. Um, so, yeah, like I said, I don't want to throw Koeman completely under the bus because uh, there, were, there, were, there were definitely mitigating factors why it didn't work for Everton. No, that's fair. That's fair. Um, Matthew, I appreciate you joining me. Everyone, be sure to check out the Royal Blue Mersey um, podcast, School of Science Radio, for all your Everton content. Matthew, appreciate it, man. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me on.